Well, over the next few weeks, we want to study that idea of turning the setbacks of life into your comebacks. And I want to give you some tools and maybe some mindsets that will help move us in that direction because I think this is not only a timely thing for us today in 2020, but it's a timely topic for us to the things that will come in the future. We know this. We live in a fallen world with fallen people. Struggle will be a part of our story, if not today, in the days, in, in the years to come. And so we want to look at how do I do that? How when I, when I face setbacks, do I change it in such a way that they really become comebacks, that they become part of my story? And so in order to do that, we're going to look to the, over the next few weeks in the book of James. The book of James was written almost 2,000 years ago in 40, 45 A.D. by the half-brother of Jesus, James, as it goes. And James is the leader of the church at that time where we pick him up. And as bad as your 2020 has been, the struggles of the early church probably equal that and maybe in some areas were even more difficult. They were facing times of not only extreme poverty and depression that came with that, there was literally deadly persecution that was going on against the church. And this is the context that we find ourselves in. So James is going to say, we're going to look over these next weeks, he's going to preach something to that church who is facing their version of COVID-19 and say this, listen, there are six decisions that you can make in your life, six mindset shifts that will turn the setbacks of this current life into comebacks into your life. And so I hope today, as we begin into this, you're going to find that the truths that were so relevant 2,000 years ago are even still more relevant to us today, that will sustain us through what we find ourselves in in this moment, and hopefully, more importantly, will equip us, inspire us towards the struggles that we face even in the future. So what is that truth? We're going to see this, that there's one key truth that's going to wrap all of these six decisions in. And it's such a powerful thing. I think it's the one thing that we are missing in 2020. You watch the news, you look at politics, it feels like this is the thing that's missing. In our race relations and the tensions that we find ourselves in this moment as a country, it feels like this is the one thing that's missing. Talk to our younger generation and what does the future look like for you? This feels like it's the one thing that's missing. What is this thing that's the game-changing factor that wraps up all of these decisions? Look what James says. In James chapter 5, verse 8, he simply says this. You must also be patient, and here's the key. Keep your hopes high, for the day of the Lord is coming near. The secret sauce that I think that we're missing today in 2020 is this. It's hope. It's hope. Will it be different? Can it be different? A hope for a preferred future that we have. It's, it's the thing that will change everything. It's the thing that moves those setbacks that we experience today into the comebacks of the future. Helen Keller, if you're familiar with her story, blind since birth and death since birth, she says this. Optimism is the faith that leads to achievement. But nothing can be done without hope and confidence. Now think about this. I, I love the story of, of Helen Keller and her struggle and what she has accomplished. She never knew that the beauty of sound or saw the amazing thing of sight in her life, and yet she had this unbridled hope that overcame the darkness in her world. And what she achieved is amazing. Graduated from college. She was awarded the Theodore Roosevelt Distinguished Service Medal. 
She was given the Presidential Medal of Freedom. She's inducted into the Women Hall of Fame. I mean, all of these amazing things. She had a life that once she chose hope, it was a hope that was greater than the darkness that surrounded her every day. And I think that's what we're missing today. I think that's the challenge, is that we've lost some hope. We've lost the hope that a hope is greater than the darkness that we face and the darkness that we experience and the darkness that we hear every time we turn on the TV or we hop on social media. There's a hope that changes everything. Dr. King said it this way, and I love it. Listen, we must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. I love that. Dr. King said this, in the midst of even the racial challenges that he faced firsthand, it was, listen, we, we know we're going to be disappointed, but we cannot lose that eternal hope that things will get better. And listen, as we think about even, and we'll talk about this even more, where we are in race relations, listen, we, we've got a long ways to go. We've got growth. We've got places, things that we need to continue to work to be stronger at. But can I encourage you, we have come a long ways from where we started a long ways to go, but we've come a long ways. In, in your lifetime, and some of you, in your lifetimes, for some of you, interracial marriages were illegal until 1967. Is that crazy? Some of the greatest godly marriages we have in our church are interracial marriages, and in 1967 in our country, it was illegal. Think about this. In 1964, just after the Great Civil Rights Act, here's what surveys found. Only 18% of white people claimed to have a friend who was black. Only 18%. Today, survey says 86% of white folks say I've got a black friend, and 87% of black folks assert that they have a white friend. I'm just saying, we've got a long ways to go. But man, we have come a long ways. I have hope for what the future has for us in relationships with one another. Why do I have a hope on those things? I have a hope because I have a hope in Jesus. That Jesus is the ultimate reconciler of people. This is Jesus who brought relationship unity between the Jews and the Gentiles. I think he can do it in our country if we will just submit ourselves to the heart of God, right, for one another? And I just tell you, church, we of all people have to have hope in a preferred future that's there. And we're going to talk in this series, we're going to take a couple weeks, we're going to talk about this issue. How has God positioned us as his followers to be that kind of hope for the world? But James says, listen, this is the key for the church. Amidst all they're facing says the key is this, that you keep your hopes high. And I've defined hope as, as simply this. Here's what the hope does. Hope allows you to bear your present burdens and believe in a better tomorrow. That's what hope does for us. It allows us to bear what we're facing and, and to believe in a better tomorrow. Now listen, this kind of hope, this isn't a naive hope. This isn't like, oh, I'm just gonna turn a blind eye, it's all fine, it's all good. It doesn't turn a blind eye to the struggles of this age. It's a hope that's grounded, right? It's grounded and it presses towards a belief in a preferred future. It's a hope that acknowledges the pain and the struggle and the challenges, but it says, I believe there can be a preferred future. And so here's a question as we begin. James would ask it to his brothers and sisters 2,000 years ago and I would ask it to you is, how is your hope? What's your hope meter like? I'm sure for most of us, it's been shaken in different ways. What would your coworkers say? What would your roommates say? What would your parents and your family say? What is the level of hope that's in your life? And this is why this is so important. Because without hope, listen, without hope of change, there's no motivation to take the steps towards turning our setbacks into comebacks, right? 
If I have no hope it's going to get better, then why would I take the difficult things we're gonna talk about over the next few weeks and apply them into my life? It's just gonna be the same. We've seen that. I think in the world of politics, listen, last election, over 50 million evangelicals didn't bother to even vote. Why? They were just hopeless. It doesn't matter what we do. There's just no hope in this. And if we lose hope, we lose the motivation to move forward and to make change. And so I want to encourage you along those ideas. Again, the hope we're going to talk about even today is not a hope that's just a nice cliche. It's not just a nice little Instagram post and a little deal here. This is James talking to real people who are in the midst of real trial in real struggle, and says, this is the thing that will sustain you. So if you've got your Bibles this morning, let's go to James chapter 1. If you're joining us online, so glad you're with us today. Again, if you go to lexcity.info on your phones, I've got all the sermon notes for you. And uh, let's jump in. James chapter 1, verse 1, it says this. This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm writing to the 12 tribes, here's their challenge, Jewish believers scattered abroad greetings. So listen, I'm writing to you who are in the midst of struggle. So what, what has created this struggle of the, of the family being scattered all around? We find this in Acts chapter 8. I'll just put it on the screen here. Acts chapter 8, Saul, who later becomes the apostle Paul after Jesus gets a hold of his life, but Saul is in the midst of persecuting the church. Look what we see. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers, except the apostles, were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. Verse 3, but Paul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. Can you imagine the, the context of the struggle that's here? This would be like in the midst of our service now, officials blast into our sanctuary, grab you, grab groups of families, and haul them off to jail at this moment because of their faith. Now listen, we would, how do we protect our families? How do we do it? We would flee, right? Avoid these kind of things. Some would run to the north, some would run to the south, some are to the hills of eastern Kentucky, wherever it would be, we're running and we scattered abroad. This is the context of, Acts, of James chapter one. And so in the midst of this oppressive, hopeless moment in time, James says, listen, the one thing I need from you that you gotta know, you gotta have hope. You've gotta have hope. You gotta have hope for a better tomorrow. And then the same is true with us, right? We, we've got to have hope. Because if we lose hope, we lose motivation to change, and we're going to see over this series, we lose really what God wants to do in us and through us in the midst of the struggles. And so you need that today. And again, I hear it so often. I think today in conversations, if you listen to people, it's just a loss of hope. Things will never change. It doesn't matter what the government does. We're still going to be here. Racially, they haven't changed. They're never going to change. We're in the same place, right? We've lost hope. Our kids, they're losing another year of schooling. My kid needs help, and he's losing another year. It, it's these kind of things. The sickness I have is never going to get better. We're just at this point, and if we're not careful, we just want to do this. We just want to give up, right? Keep our head down. Just take a deep breath. Try to absorb this, and eventually 2021 will get here, and we'll move on. And we're missing it if that's the case. So over the next two weeks, and really today, I want to begin to lay the groundwork for it. We're going to see this. Two ways, two keys that James says, listen, if you're going to have hope in the midst of this, these are the two keys, and here are the two things that you need to know. Number one. That the struggle is temporary, and number two, that the struggle has purpose. See, you can deal with an awful lot of pain and discomfort if you know it's temporary. 
If you know it's not going to be forever, it's amazing how much that we can rise up and, and endure during this time. Being reminded that today's pain is not tomorrow's promise. If I know that, it gives me some energy. That's why, again, sickness, you can count down the number of chemo treatments I have left because I know it's not forever. I'm checking off the number of payments I have left on this thing until I can experience some financial freedom in my life. Hope comes when we know that the struggle is temporary. And so James says to the church, listen, not only is this temporary, but I want to remind you of some people who went before you. I want you to be inspired by those that have reminded that their struggle was temporary. So he goes in James chapter 5, verse 10 and 11. He says, take the old prophets as your mentors. They put up with anything. They went through everything, and they never once quit, all the time honoring God. What a gift life is to those who stay the course. You've heard, of course, of Job staying power, and you know how God brought it all together for him at the end. That's because God cares. He cares right down to the last detail. Romans 8, 28, we've probably quoted it to each other many times, but we know that God has caused what all things to work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. James says this to the church, listen, I, I know what you're dealing with today is difficult. I, I know you've been separated from family, separated from community. I know you live in fear of what could come barging through your door at those times. And I want to remind you that what you're facing today as a nation is temporary. And so be reminded of the prophets. They faced struggles, and they didn't last forever. Be reminded of Job, who everything in his life went away, and was at the bottom of the bottom, and then God shows up in a, in a miraculous way and blesses him. He says, be encouraged with that. And so I want to remind you, for us as Lex City, let us be reminded of our brothers and sisters who've gone before us in thousands of years, that the struggles of this life are temporary, that the struggles of 2020 are temporary. I, I don't know about you, this is longer than I wanted it and longer than I ever, I never dreamed, I still remember when we got back staff, we thought, well, it'll be after Easter. We never dreamed we would be at the school year and still dealing with the stuff that we're dealing with. And it's, it's like you, every month it just keeps compiling the, the, the ramifications. And now we're into school, and some of you families, this is just craziness, which you're having to work through and struggle, and the challenge here becomes so real. This is what James says, boy, remember, even in the midst of all of these things, that they are temporary. That one day, James says to the, to the, to the nation of Israel, listen, be encouraged. One day, you will be reunited as a family. That one day that you will, we will get back together and we'll be able to worship God freely. That, that one day we will become a nation again like we've not experienced it before. And he says some of this hope, some of it you're going to experience this side of heaven. And we look at the nation of Israel and we've seen how these promises in many regards have come true in some. And some of these you're going to experience on the other side the wonderful hope of heaven that we have. But that's the hope, right? He says here's where you need that there is a heaven. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is the hope of our life, right? A place where there is no more tears and no more pain and no more mask, amen? I tell you, that's gonna be a glorious place. That red and yellow and black and white will sit at the feet of the Savior and will worship together in perfect unity and love, amen? The beauty and the hope of heaven is, is, is that equality is not a concept, it is a reality that we will experience together and it's a beautiful thing. That the reconciliation, as God reconciles people to himself, we will be reconciled to one another. He says, man, that's the beauty of, of heaven. 
He says, you've got to have a hope that this thing is just temporary. And I've shared this with you before, and I just remind you again, this is a perspective that we forget so often of what heaven and what eternity looks like. We, we, we take this, if this is eternity, this rope all the way down. Now listen, it's, I had the interns take off earlier this week. They're somewhere down in Florida, so it's still rolling this way. This is your life in the midst of all of this. And, and 2020 is right here amidst of all of this. This thing that we face today is so temporary in light of eternity. And James says to the church, listen, you may be in prison and you may be persecuted and you may be living in absolute poverty for your faith, but can I remind you the struggle you face today is just right here. This is the hope you have as a follower of Jesus. It's the hope of heaven. It's the hope of eternity. That's why in so many places in our world, if you've ever gone on missions trips in different places, what do they sing about, talk about, and pray about all the time? They pray about heaven. They sing about heaven. Why? Because it's a hope that's greater than the temporary struggles. And so I want to remind you today, as difficult as it is, remember what Hebrews 6 says. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as, here's the key, we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the certain into God's inner sanctuary. And I love what he says, that the hope we have is heaven, and it's heaven that anchors our, our souls. Tammy and I, this last week, we just got back here the other day. Uh, we took our bike and we rode uh, through the Great Lakes in Michigan, and we we're up in the upper UP. And uh, as we're up, we've seen some of these huge boats. I got a little picture here. These huge boats and these huge anchor uh, liners that come through and these gigantic anchors that are connected to these massive boats. Now listen, an anchor, that Bible says this is your hope, the anchor in heaven. It says an anchor serves two great purposes, right? It keeps a, a boat from drifting into dangerous waters over a period of time. And have you ever noticed this, how easy it is just to drift? And you don't really know it, and all of a sudden you look back and you're not where you started the process. An anchor keeps you from, from drifting. And even, in, I think, in these days, it, it's so easily emotionally and spiritually, when, when, our, when our life and routine has been totally messed up, when, when you just watch the news and you just hear all these negativities, and all of a sudden, emotionally, you begin to drift into dangerous waters. And emotionally, you're at places you never thought you would be. Why? Because your anchor hasn't been founded in the hope that's in heaven. And so he's, he uses this visual of an anchor because why? It keeps us from drifting into dangerous waters. The second thing an anchor does is it creates stability in a time of storm. When the waves are raging and everything else is moving by, what the anchor keeps you locked and the anchor, and the anchor keeps you secure at these moments. And this is what James is pleading to the church saying, listen, you are in a turbulent time. The waters are everywhere. I, I want you to anchor your hope in the wonderful promise of heaven because if you lose your hope, you lose your anchor. And the challenge for us today is, is a church, listen, folks, is, is friends, is just this. We cannot lose our hope because if you lose your hope, you lose your anchor. And if you lose your anchor, you will drift in the dangerous waters that are there. So James gives another way. He says, not only is this, that we turn setbacks into comebacks by having hope, but remember this. He says, your struggle is temporary, and then number two, remember that it serves a purpose. Go back to James 1. 
Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully devoted, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. That there's purpose in the struggle. Tam and I last two weeks ago got a chance to spend some time with one of our wonderful folks here at Lex City who's just going through the, the horrors of cancer and the challenges of treatment and they're right in the midst of their chemo treatment and, and the courage of every day to get up to have those treatments knowing that the next three days will just be miserable because of the treatment and you think, why would you bother to show up to do that? Some of you know why you bother. Some of you have walked down that very road. How, how many today, you'd say, man, that's the road I've been on. Cancer has been something that's been in my life, and I've had to walk through it. Man, I'm just going to tell you, my heart goes out to you and, and my admiration on the courage you have. But why would you show up for those things? Because you knew this, that even in those treatments and even taking that medication, why would you endure that? You knew because it had a purpose that came there, that the treatments were a means to an end, Right? That the pain was actually the thing that ultimately was going to create the healing in your life. And that was through that that it goes. And so there was a purpose that's there. And so you came, you endured. Why? Because you knew the end result was what you wanted. And James says the same thing is true. He says with the struggles of life. He says one of the decisions that's going to turn a setback into a comeback is when you just brace yourself and simply say this. In the midst of this thing that emotionally I feel empty in and emotionally I'm angry and emotionally I can't understand these, but I'm gonna to choose to find a purpose in the midst of this pain. I mean, that's a decision that radically changes everything. And he says this, not only that you should make this mindset that when pain comes, I'm gonna find a purpose, but he says this other thing that's really powerful. He says, I need you to expect that pain is coming. Go look back at verse two. Dear brothers and sisters, what's the key word? When troubles of any time come your way, consider it opportunity for great joy. And I love James. He's just so straight out. He didn't say, hey, if challenges come. No, he says, it's when they, when they come. Expect those things. When you're anticipating troubles, you're not surprised by them. And when you're not surprised by them, it helps position your heart into a place of not being a victim. You see, when I'm surprised by it and I'm overcome by it in those moments and my heart begins to feel like a victim, here's a chance. I, the problem is I quickly become like this feeling of, of hopelessness. I'm just a victim. The circumstances are life. They're just pushing me like waves in the sea and it's up and down and moving me all around. I can't do anything about it. I, I'm just a victim in these things. But listen, James says, I want to be really practical with you. He says, you're not a victim if you anticipate struggles of, of life that come. One of the things for me is I've been thinking during this season, I was reminded one of the great lessons that to be reminded of was you think about that. Think about even in the financial realities what, what you're facing during the season. Tammy, like many of you, uh, her job, they laid her off, and uh, that created a different dynamic all of a sudden, and didn't expect that coming. And you know where my mind ran to? It ran to uh, Dave Ramsey. And Dave Ramsey has this baby steps, if you're familiar with financial peace. Baby step three uh, is this emergency fund, and uh, he said these crazy things. He says, uh, baby step three is to have three to six months of an emergency fund in savings. And I thought that's the most ludicrous thing it's not like the world is ever going to come to a screeching halt for six months. Why would you ever need an emergency fund of six months? Hello, uh, but here we go. And now all of a sudden, here's what was the power of Financial Peace University. It assumes that there will be financial struggles in life 
And so when they come, I'm not surprised and I don't feel overwhelmed and I don't feel like a victim. I feel prepared and engaged and empowered to absorb what's coming. The same is true with the struggles of life. James says, man, they're gonna come. Get ready. Emotionally, spiritually, physically, financially, whatever they be, just assume these things are gonna be coming. They shouldn't surprise us. So when times like 2020 hit or the stock market plummets in 20, uh, 2008 and all these things, listen, if you are prepared and you assume these challenges are gonna come, you're ready for that. And hope comes when you are anticipating and when you're prepared. I love, again, that very first verse I read for you out of James chapter 5, and the ESV translates it this way. It says, you also be patient. Here's the key. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. I love it. Establish your hearts. It's this proactive verse. Prepare yourself. Get ready. Establish your hearts. Position yourself so when struggles come, and they will, that you'll be able to leverage yourself in these moments to grow that you'll be able to leverage these things to, to be able to in, not just endure them, but really succeed in the midst of them. That the goal isn't simply to get through a struggle. The goal is to grow through a struggle. Establish your heart in such a way. And at the end of this pandemic, whenever this thing ends, here's the question. What will be different about you than when this started? Where are you establishing your heart to grow in the midst of the struggle or will nothing have changed and you just endured it and when the next 2021 or 2022 comes about, you're exactly where you were before this whole thing came. James says you have a chance to leverage this season in your life for growth and purpose. James 1, 3, 3 continues back. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So what can happen in our lives if we really leverage the struggle and the challenge for this chance that we have to grow? Here's what we find. James 1, 4 continues on. He says, so let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. See, the amazing thing in our faith journey is God has an opportunity to do something in your life through struggle in ways that it's sometimes much harder to do during times of prosperity. That, that 2020 is a unique opportunity for God to maybe grow and challenge and push you in some areas that he wouldn't have been able to do in the same way had 2020 just been like 2019 and we just would have gone through the motions. James says to the church, church, I'm not denying you're hurting and I'm not denying the the struggle that's before you. But I want to remind you, in this moment, it's fertile soil for spiritual growth in your life. That some daily decisions that you will make that will really position you to take this setback of persecution and turn it into a comeback for the church. And it's the same was true to you. Listen, you're going to be a better parent at the end of 2020. You have learned something about patience, endurance from prayer forgiveness uh, you, you are you have become a more gracious parent you've been more engaged in the life of your kids in 2020 than you did before it's growing something in you 2020 has been great for the church because it's required of you to take greater personal responsibility for the faith of yourself and the faith of your family some of you today are able to be here in person 
Over half of us are still at home, and today you're ministering to your family in your living room or whatever. 2020 has caused you to take spiritual leadership in your home, saying, I've got to take more personal responsibility and grow my faith in such a way. The beauty is this, because of what we're facing, here's the great hope. You're gonna be stronger in 2021 than you were in 2020 because God is using this struggle as fertile soil to grow your hope, to grow your faith. As long as we do this, as long as we don't lose what? We don't lose hope because hope is a thing that changes everything. And it's a hope that begins and ends with Jesus. See, the beauty is I I would love to say today I can give you hope. I can't give you hope, but I, I can give you Jesus. And Jesus is the author of the hope that comes within our our lives. And so I want to just ask you today, have you experienced that hope that comes through a relationship with Jesus? We got to hear a little story earlier of Brad and Jenna and how that relationship with God radically changed their relationship. And you'll maybe hear more of their story in the weeks to come. But God's radically done some amazing things in their life, but it began with that need for Jesus. So here's the question for you. Have you experienced that kind of relationship with God in your life? If you're not, if you haven't, the Bible says, boy, today is a day of, of hope in new ways. And you can have that kind of relationship with Jesus. The Bible says it's like ABCs, right? The, the A is simply this, a- admit. Admit that you need hope. Admit that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Romans 3.23, for all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For most of us, that's not hard to get to. I think we can agree uh, we, we are sinful and fallen people. The, the B is this idea of belief. And this is always a tough one. It, it's believing not just that there is a God. I, I've got a good friend, and we're in these spiritual conversations, and just last week, where they get hung up is this. Preacher, I believe in Jesus, and, and I'm really trying to be a good person, and I'm really trying to do the right things, and I think that's gonna be okay. I say, here's the problem. Just believing there is a God. The Bible says even the demons believe. And what you're believing is there is a God, but, but I've got to try to be a good enough person. So your hope is not found in Jesus. Your hope is found in you being a good enough person to appease the wrath of God in your life. So that's not the kind of hope we're talking about. A belief is in, a belief in that Jesus is who he says that he was, that he was the son of God, and that he did what he said that he would do, that he went to the cross and he died because you and I needed a savior to pay the penalty of our sins. So I believe in Jesus, not only that he is the son of God, but I believe that he died on the cross because I needed him to pay the penalty for my sin because I couldn't do that. That's the belief, and the C is simply confess, acknowledge that truth to the Lord. So today, I'd love to just give you opportunity because that's the hope I can offer you, a hope that's found in Jesus. And so if you would, in just these moments, would you just bow your heads with me this morning? And today, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ. I'd love to give you that opportunity. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. It's, it's not a magical prayer. It's not the words that save you. It's just the attitude of your heart that acknowledges your need for God, believes that he is who he says that he was and confesses that you need him in your life. And if that's you today, just say these words back to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today I need some hope. I acknowledge that I've sinned and I've My sin has separated me from you. But God, I believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross on my behalf. So Father, today, 
and placing my faith and my trust in you alone for the forgiveness of my sins and for that free gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name. And just in this moment, as you have your heads bowed, I'd, today, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, if you're online, we're so excited. There's just a place below that says, a button there that says, I prayed. You can click that. We'd love to connect. But today, if you're here on campus and you prayed that prayer for the very first time, I'd love to just remember and pray for you this week. And if you'd be willing just to raise your hand, just for a moment, put it down. Amen. I'd love just to celebrate that with anybody else this morning. Amen. Thank you. Anyone else today? Well, today, no greater decision could you make, no greater source of hope that comes in the relationship with Jesus. And we're so excited and celebrate that with you. I encourage you, if you made that decision today, share that with somebody. Somebody that brought you, or Tammy and I will be out by the door as you hex, or just share that wonderful decision with them. For those of us that know the Lord, let me just close this out with what Romans says about the idea of you and I having hope. But I just want to encourage you as we close. Church, we of all people cannot lose hope that relationships and race can be reconciled to a reconcilable Savior. That through prayer and confession and humility that God can move in the hearts and the minds of our country in new and fresh ways that your struggles today are not forever, that they are temporary. And if it's not on this side of eternity, remember that the rope is a whole lot longer on this side than the blip that we're facing today. Let's pray. Romans 15, I pray this over you today as we go. He says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, today we pray that we would have, in the midst of the struggle of 2020, not only a joy, but a confident hope that is grounded in you. And we thank you for that. And all God's people said.